like that. Um, is there anybody here for the first time? Is there anybody here for the second time? Wait, wait, what? Wait, we, we still have two more weeks, right? I thought this was the last week, but then I was corrected. Well, the elders do next week, then there's two after that? Three after that? Wow. Jen and I were like figuring out how to close this thing down today. <laughs> I know, now I can talk really slow. Uh, enough of that Yankee on drugs. Um, so I think everyone knows what this class is about, but um, to learn together, um, boy, these progressive glasses are like regressing. Okay, I have to do this. Um, ways of walking and working the Spirit. I, I was uh, cruising through the New Testament, and it's like every, every epistle and every gospel, the Holy Spirit is prominent but not pushy. It's like you look in Galatians, and he says, you foolish Galatians, have you begun by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? In, in Thessalonians, he goes, don't despise perfect utterance. Hold fast to that which is good. Um, and, you just, and you just kind of see it again and again and again. And so it, it's sort of, it was an understood thing, but, but not something that, that they had to like preach because it's like, you know, that's how we walk. And some, somehow it faded from church practice, church overt practice. It has always been around and it always continues to be around. And the Holy Spirit is not pushy. The Holy Spirit doesn't demand to be seen, heard, or even obeyed, but welcomes as a comforter. If you don't want comfort, then okay. And so we're um, exploring in this class um, beliefs that we have that we may not know we have, practices that we have that, that mitigate against walking um, overtly, walking on purpose, growing on purpose in this understanding that, that when I was born again, an alien being took up residence inside of me, a wonderful alien being, a, a spirit. Jesus said, the Father and I will make our abode with you when you're born again, you're born of the spirit. Your spirit comes alive and the Holy Spirit takes up dwelling in you and then you're you're sort of split into these two parts this flesh part that Alan talked about today and this this godly part that connects with God whose whose primary residence is with God um, I love this from A.W. Tozier some of us um, read him he said look many have found the secret which I speak of without giving much thought to what was going on with them, they constantly practice a habit of inwardly gazing on God. And even when they're compelled to go to work, um, their conscious attention, uh, in, uh, there is still within them the secret communion going on. Let their attention be released for but a moment and it flees to God once again. There, there's this sense of, of how, do we, how do we put reality to the, in him we live and move and have our being? Or as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. How, how do we put, he who began a good work in us, he'll, he'll complete it. Um, 
or work out your salvation with fear and trembling, Ephesians, uh, Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it's God who is at work in you both to will, to want to, and to work for his good pleasure. So, so we have this God inside of us, and it's pretty easy to not do this kind of a thing. Uh, here's another quote from Oz Guinness, one of my favorite authors. Um, and he wrote a book called, the, called Doubt, Doubt and Unbelief. And, and he, he says, unbelief is really sin, but doubt isn't sin. Doubt is just not knowing what's true, but wanting to know what's true. And, and I love that about him. But he says, here's what happened to many of us, and this is my story. Um, there's some problem. So in me, it was, it was growing up in an alcoholic family that was pretty harsh. And so, <clears throat> and so in me, there's a problem that's been allowed to usurp God's place and become the controlling principle of life. Instead of viewing the problem from the vantage point of faith or from the vantage point of being with God, um, the doubter views faith from the vantage point of the problem. That is, that is, we're so in this problem and we view God from the point of this problem. Instead of faith sizing up the problem, the situation with the problem scales down faith. The world of faith is upside down in the topsy-turvy reality of doubt. The problem has become God, and God has become the problem. And, and that, that is, um, in, a, in a maybe a more subtle way, but in some of us a very overt way, the problem, um, the problem tends to control, tends to frame our belief, our thoughts, our understanding. We, we have, if we've done this in the class before. I know when, when Jen uh, was teaching another day, she said, close your eyes and picture Father God. What do you see when, when we say the word Father God? And for many of us, it's not a great picture. For many of us, it's like Jesus is going, don't kill him, you know, and it's standing between us and, and Father God, or sort of judgmental, or sort of distant, or sort of busy, or I don't want to bother him, or, or whatever. And we think, well, that's not exactly the picture Jesus portrayed for us. So, so the problem has become God, the way we face it. Um, so we've talked about a lot of different things in here this morning uh, for a bunch of Sundays. And um, I would like us to do something different to help frame the next three weeks. And that is, let's get into groups of three or four and answer the, pick, a, pick a reporter, okay, and answer these questions. So far, what has been the most helpful or encouraging thing we've done? And what has been challenging or confusing? And just pick one or two of those things. So think about the answer. Just pull together in three or four and, and just share. So let's take 10 minutes maybe and do that. And if you've only been here twice, then I don't know what you covered. That's confusing to me. So you guys get off. So would you go ahead and do that and just, just pull together and just think about answers to those questions. And one person will report so you don't have to each share your thing that's confusing or challenging or encouraging. So go ahead and just, just pull together, take 10 minutes. Yeah. That he's trying to he's trying to get us all to crawl up in his arms 
and have that relationship, and we're all at different spots in that. For for someone like you who has been, who had four years in Germany to work on this and has been working this around, to say that to the rest of us is really encouraging. Good, yeah, and needs to keep being said because. The, the biggest failing of the charismatic movement was to create a haves and a have-nots mentality, and I just I hate that. Is this guy talking about during the day, at night, do you know? You know Who's that? Oh, the guy you sent me the text about. Is he talking about in the daytime, at night? Oh, he's talking about during the day, I think. During the day. Yeah, I'm hoping, because okay. okay. that's, that's when I'm going to do it. Okay. We'll see. I mean, I don't know for sure. I'm just loving this so much. I just love, I love the book. I've been reading it. I love the, come on, let's go. It's my favorite concept. God's saying, come on, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. It's going to be fun. I've, I've got something to do. Let's go. Yeah. She's meeting with Jen. Tomorrow. And Tomorrow, yeah. And uh, she's not feeling well. She's like she's going to throw up. She doesn't want to miss it from being sick. So we just uh-huh. want to uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. pray yeah. over her. Is it a sick not well or a nervous not well? It's both. Uh-huh. Like all week I have. So I had a big trauma in December. And um, see, I'm shaking. Yeah. Ever since that. Put my hands 